Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. This week is a solo episode for me. I've had to rejig a few guests around and I had some scheduling challenges, but I didn't want to let another week go by without an episode, so I thought that I would jump on and take the mic for myself. So I wrote a piece for Substack very recently that seemed to really strike a chord, and I'm so grateful to any one of you who have subscribed there, as it is such a lovely extension of the work that I do here on the podcast. So I wrote about my experience of what I think is depression and it is quite a new feeling for me. I think if I'm being really honest with myself, I became quite low after my son turned two. I did have a lot of issues in the very early postpartum period, but then they settled down. But it was really when he turned two, as things became more challenging than I was really able to handle for, with my son and because I blamed myself for a lot of it. That plus worsening and really chronic back pain where you just feel physically awful the whole time. I've been in and out of hospital getting procedures done and you just struggle to see beyond the pain was all of that was just such a slow cooker recipe for winding up feeling very down and not down in a way that you can just shake yourself out of or just change your mindset to fix despite how fortunate you know you are or how many chats you have with good people. Sometimes we just unravel a bit even amidst ostensibly good circumstances. So much of my parenting experience, as you know, if you've been listening to the series, has been defined by anxiety, not just anxiety in the day to day of trying to parent a highly sensitive little soul who, as I always describe, just came into the world with this air of concern about him, but also in the worry that you can carry about the bigger picture. Like, is my son okay? What am I getting wrong here? Why am I finding it so much harder than others seem to my mind to be finding it? Is it getting worse? Will it keep getting harder? Why does he struggle with this or with that so much? I don't think there's been a day where I have been able to put down that bag of worry. And maybe that's just what you sign up for when you become a parent. The bag just seems to be getting heavier every day. And I know all parents worry about their kids. That part is normal. But when you see your child struggling and just yesterday we were in the playground, and it became clear again that it's just not somewhere he really enjoys at all anymore. He seems to have a lot of fear and a lot of social anxiety. 
and the worry can just grow arms and legs. And I was feeling so heavy on my way back home and acutely aware of just how much my mood is dependent on my little boy being okay. And of course, that can oscillate massively day to day because he's a three-year-old and it can be exhausting. I haven't at all figured out yet how to separate myself from him in that regard. I don't know how to do that. If he's happy and at ease, I breathe a sigh of relief and vice versa. Selfishly, I worry just not about how he will navigate the world if he finds it as overwhelming as he seems to do at the moment, but how I will cope if things don't start to get a bit easier. I also worry, because people suggest it to me, that he's just inherited his anxiety from me. People say, yeah, well, you know, he's probably picking up a lot of that from you. And it really, really upsets me. Though I know people mean well, but it implies that it's my doing. And I spend enough time beating myself up about things or feeling like it's my fault when I know I'm doing anything and everything I can to gently and lovingly and compassionately support my son to flourish and to feel at ease with himself and be excited and curious about the world. It's all too easy to assume that a child's temperament is handed to them or shaped entirely by their parents, but this just isn't true. A really easygoing kid might have a really anxious mother. A really easygoing kid will be easier to parent, which means the parents will probably relax into it with far greater ease than a child who you're walking on eggshells around. We are all born with our own temperament, our own window of tolerance, and some kids are born with a really rigid, narrow one, like Kaylin and some are born with really, really wide open windows, which means that it doesn't take a whole lot for them, or it takes a lot for them to get stressed. Whereas uh, with a smaller window of tolerance, it's like if you think of the game operation, it doesn't take very much at all to be whacking off the side and setting the alarm bells. Of course, nurture has a huge amount to do with it. And of course, we do inherit certain things from our parents. But just as two chilled out parents can have a super chilled out kid, so too can those parents go on to have a child who overthinks a lot and worries regardless of their style of parenting. I've written about this also on Substack to reassure people who have struggled with anxiety. But you are not automatically going to have an anxious child if you're anxious. And if you do, it is not your fault. If anything, if you're even bothering to listen to this podcast and do the work to own and understand and manage your anxiety, then you will be so massively equipped to help your child navigate their own worries with so much understanding and compassion. And that's because you've been through it. I know that because of my own history of anxiety and the work that I've done, I will be such a massive support to my son as he gets older. I will never make him feel silly or stupid for his worries. I understand his little brain because I've had to understand mine. I know how anxiety works, why it happens, how normal it is, and that the volume on some people's nervous systems, including my own and my son's, is just turned on a little bit higher, and that's okay. Together we can work to bring that volume down over time, to find ways of coping and owning it, and hopefully he might not ever have to experience the extent of anxiety that I did. I really hope not, because we know so much more now and I will see it so much sooner. I'm exactly the kind of parent he needs. I am the only parent for him, minus his dad obviously, and I'm a bloody good one too, in spite of my own anxieties. Okay, that was a rant and a half, but I just really wanted to share that for anyone who thinks that they will be less of a parent because of their own mental health struggles or that if their kid struggles, it's somehow their fault. It is not. You are exactly the parent your child needs. And if you aren't yet a parent and you think you'd like to become a parent someday, if you're already investing this much time in better understanding yourself, you will be the best parent that your child could ever hope for. 
But with all that worry that I was carrying or am carrying and the back pain over time, I just got really low. And it was like just my baseline was just pushed down to a lower level, regardless of having a good day. And I noticed I just couldn't really snap out of it. My thoughts would go a bit catastrophic and quite despairing and very defeated really quickly. I lost pretty much all of my motivation. I have not been producing as many episodes as I really want to for you guys. And when I do have a moment alone, I, where I usually kind of think creatively or get work done, I just feel I just am doing, I can do nothing. I just, I just procrastinate or I just fall asleep. That's another thing. I wanted to sleep all the time, a nap during the day, even if I'd slept the whole night through. I didn't want to socialise unless it was one-on-one where I didn't have to pretend to be in great form and go along with the crowd. I was feeling resentful and my fuse was so short, I was just exploding over the tiniest things. Sometimes exploding with frustration, sometimes just starting to cry. My outlook was bleak and I was thinking in such black and white terms, tending, as I said, towards the catastrophic. I also had many thoughts of wanting to just run away, but then feeling trapped that I can't because my son would need me too much. Then feeling massive guilt for having had those thoughts in the first place. I felt this gravitational pull towards the ground, like the opposite of anxiety where it feels like you're spinning up too high. You need to, you can't ground yourself, whereas here I can't pull myself off the ground, just wanting to curl up and hide away. We had a few really intense weeks where our son would just wake up so out of sorts and just getting through the day was such a huge effort. I feel like, well, this week anyway, we've come out of that. But during that time, I carried a little bit of dread about every single day. And no matter how many gratitude notes I took or conversations I had about how really fortunate I am, I just felt really low and then guilty. Obviously, the guilt always just comes and is the cherry on top of everything else. And so I didn't really need a doctor to confirm it for me that all of this indicated that I was probably depressed or had the framework in place for depression. And the horrendous back pain really didn't help. It just, it can colour, if you've been there, if you've experienced back pain that's chronic and really severe, it colours your mood so much. I, I can't, I'm lying down right now with the laptop propped up trying to do this because I can't tolerate sitting upright in a chair. And I knew that I was probably feeling, it was, you know, depression when we'd have a really good day with our son or we'd get a little win and something would go right and I'd still feel really down and negative. It wasn't a case of just waking up with a different perspective. Another layer on top of all of these very privileged problems to have, problems I know I'm so lucky to have, is what's going on in the world right now and I'm talking about Palestine in particular. I have thought so often about what kind of episode I could do to help with the very big feeling of despair we're carrying about what's happening there but it's not something we should be able to cope with. It's not something we can overcome or hope to be unaffected by. And if you're not affected by it at all, that is probably far more concerning to the human race than being anxious or depressed about it. It's so far from normal to be seeing the kinds of imagery we're seeing. Such bleak, devastating, like I just can't believe how much I recognise and know what a dead body looks like now. It's not something we ever want to become desensitized to. And if you feel like you're going mad for feeling so helpless and powerless and disgusted by the lack of humanity, then you're feeling exactly as you should. That's not something to fix. I don't have any coping mechanisms. I don't want to tell you to look away or to stop consuming the news. I know how triggering and devastating those photos can be and those videos can be, but it's such it's at such a critical, desperate point. We just, we cannot pretend like it's not happening. The whole world needs to come together to try and have this cease and 
figure out another way forward. All I can really offer is that you shouldn't be so hard on yourself if you're finding it hard to cope in your day to day. Do not underestimate the significance that this world event, this appalling catastrophe is having on you. Know that it's a really heavy contributing factor to whatever other daily stresses you're feeling. And also, I'm guilty of this too, but the people of Palestine, they don't need you to feel bad about carrying on with your own life as best you can. You do not need to feel bad about that. We have no choice but to. And even though all of this is happening, you will still feel worry and stress and concern over things that seem so trivial when compared to what's happening there. You are not selfish or a bad person. Constantly berating yourself or shaming yourself for having a hard day when things are so bad for Palestinians and those poor children, they'd give anything to have our worries, but that that won't do you any good or won't do them any good. That's not giving yourself a healthy dose of perspective. That's just shaming yourself and denying your own experience. By all means, be reminded of what you're grateful for and what you have versus what you lack. But don't turn away from talking about what you're going through just because other people have it worse off. There will always be people in the world who have it worse off. And what I really am worried about with what's happening in the world right now is that by comparison, our our experiences will seem so trivial and non-important that we will suppress our mental health issues and feel too much shame to talk about them because they feel so unimportant and that will create this wave of mental health issues for the generation to come. I really think we've we've worked so hard to get here where we're having these open conversations. Please make sure you don't let those stop happening. And if anything is clear, it's that we need far more compassion in this world and you really have to start by applying that same compassion to yourself. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think just for me being able to label the depression as something I'm carrying with me for the moment, like a bag of stuff, a heavy, not very nice stuff that just has to come with me, has helped a lot. It's not who I am. I know I am a mostly very happy, contented, I actually am an easygoing person, But due to circumstances that make total sense, I am at a lower ebb than I would like to be. For now. 
it won't always be this way. And it helps me to be kinder to myself for having labelled it when I struggle to just think more positively. I say to myself, well, you've been worn down over a long period of time. Your resilience has been lowered and worn down and you've been super stressed that now you've just got no gas left in your tank. So you can't just slap a smile on. I say to myself, of course you feel this way. I'm sure a lot of people would feel this way. I have no choice but to allow for it. Well, I could suppress it, but I I know too much now to know what that would do to me. I acknowledge it and I see where I can make changes that might help. I can't rush my child through these tricky years and get to a point where it might be easier. I can't do that. I can keep telling myself like a mantra, he's safe, he's loved, he is happy. He has parents who care a huge amount and we will figure this out. They are facts. I also know that I need to do some work on letting go of this myth of normal and how crushing it can be to try to adhere to what society deems the right way to be for him and for me. I can't click my fingers and make my back pain go away. I can take a lot of painkillers, but they make me feel super groggy and that just does not help to lift my mood at all. And again, having that awareness of how things make me feel and how things can make me feel worse when I think they might make me feel short term better is really good. But I also know that I'm not suffering with depression in a pathological way. And what I mean is that it's it's due to circumstance and circumstances will always change. The thing is, though, and this is something I think we forget when it comes to anxiety or depression, it can come about due to circumstance. But then as our bodies learn that feeling over time and have been in that condition for a while, it might not just go away instantly just because the circumstances have changed. It's going to take a while for your mind and body to catch up and to feel safe and secure again, even when things are actually okay. There's almost always going to be a delay there, a discrepancy. Your body is slower than your mind or slower to catch up. There certainly was for me when my anxiety was so severe and I thought that, you know, when I left the job that triggered it, I would just be fine. No, just as it's taken a long time to unravel to a point of being able to say I'm probably depressed right now with stress just chipping away at it over time, so too will it take a while to move out of this space and unlearn this way of feeling and be in, in a weird way, it feels protective to stay in kind of a funk because you feel like you're, you're safer there. You can't be disappointed more or hurt more. Whereas when you open yourself up to happiness and being okay, it's a vulnerable thing because you're at risk then of things maybe going wrong again. And I completely understand that being happy and being safe and letting that be is sometimes a scary prospect when what you've known for so long is thinking negatively and thinking low and it's kind of a defense mechanism. I mentioned earlier that I'd had some pretty dark thoughts at times and years ago when I felt really frightened and unsure if I'd ever be okay again and I mean this is 2014 I'm talking about I did I was alone a lot of the time everyone else was at work I was at home in the four walls of my apartment my very damp cold apartment feeling so bad and I did have thoughts of you know well if it gets so bad I can always just and you know how that sentence ends I felt massive shame and guilt for having those thoughts at the time but now darker intrusive feelings or thoughts they don't actually scare me too much and I think it's because I understand them a bit better and I want to share that with you here when I first had my son I read a book called what mothers do especially when it looks like nothing by Naomi Stadlin that was the title of it, What Mothers Do, Especially When It Looks Like Nothing. And it was the most important thing I could have read at the time. And I urge anyone struggling postpartum to get their hands in it. But 
In it, the writer demonstrates not just how common intrusive thoughts are for new mothers, but why such thoughts are actually a part of the process. Now, to me, this doesn't just apply. It's very relevant to the postpartum period, but the the function of intrusive thoughts doesn't just apply to new mothers. To me, it makes sense in any situation. So at moments of real frustration and desperation where I think I literally cannot handle another tough day, my mind would rush to something dark like running away or at times it has gone to, you know, taking myself out of the equation, which I, I even hate saying out loud, but that sometimes that's just where your mind goes. And I feel that my mind sometimes almost has to go there. It has to throw up these very extreme, well, what if scenarios, so as to ensure that we take extra care of ourselves. To me, it's like my own inner alarm bell, your own inner cry for help, if that makes sense. An intrusive thought to me acts as a sort of siren to say, hey, this is pretty bad. Maybe we should do something or maybe we should bring in some reinforcements. It throws up what could happen to make sure that it doesn't happen. And I'm going to say that again to hope that it rings clear for you. It throws up what could happen to make sure it doesn't happen. When it comes to new mothers, we can envision dropping the baby or doing something bad because our primitive brain is trying to make sure we go extra out of our way to be vigilant and to make sure that it doesn't happen. It's our mother brain actually taking shape and it's a really bumpy ride. When I learned this, it made so much sense and it made me so much more kind to myself for thinking things like, oh, I just want to run away. Having those thoughts is kind of like a release, like a valve being let open. And that in itself is sometimes enough. I don't want to run away. I don't want to not be here. I want to be here so much. And when things feel calmer, I always then feel a bit mad for having gone to such places in my mind. But I know why it happens. It's a little cry for help from the inside saying, well, this is too much right now. I can't cope in this moment. Let's make sure we take better care of ourselves here. Let's put whatever bumpers up or supports in place that we need. And that is a cry for help that you have to listen to. You have to, you have to ask yourself, what is this really saying to you? So beyond riding the wave of where I'm at right now, I'm putting some practical things in place to support myself. And I feel so grateful that I have this awareness from having been through what I've been through to be able to separate myself from the thoughts and feelings and actually do this. So maybe, I mean, maybe if I was really suffering from depression, I wouldn't be able to. So maybe that's a good sign. I booked my minder in to mind my son for an extra day a week. She was only doing three days and now she's doing four and that just gives me more time and space to uh, stick to appointments for getting my back better I'm in with a physio, a chiropractor, different rehabilitation things. I've had different procedures in hospital, consultations with pain specialists. Like I, I am doing everything I can, um, but also time to work, which is so important to me as well. Um, and time to to go back to therapy. I booked a night away as well with for me and my husband because we haven't we haven't done that in since his separation since my son's separation and anxiety got so bad we haven't done that so that's been I don't think we've had a night away since just after he turned one and he's going to turn four. And I'm very grateful that we've been able to go out for dinners and things when, once the separation anxiety was under control. But I really think that we both need that time ourselves to reconnect. Um, I am riddled with worry about leaving my son because I don't want to increase the separation anxiety. Um, but I have put in place a plan that I think he's okay with, with his nana coming. And I just know that 
I know that he's going to be safe and okay and I know that I need to prioritise myself and be able to pour from a fuller cup. Um, I mentioned that I am going to go back to therapy. I haven't booked that in yet, but saying it out loud here will make me, will hold me accountable. And for my son, we're embarking on a series of supports and assessments to help figure out how we can make the world feel a little bit easier for him. And um, We are working with an occupational therapist this week to get a sense of his sensory profile um, and all of that will form a, an overall assessment, um, which may or may not lead to a diagnosis. But regardless, I mean, it's not going to change my son. He is who he is, but it will equip us with more information so that we can help him thrive. And when he thrives, we thrive because, like I said, I just can't separate the two. He is my whole world. I know I will come out of this. In fact, I felt lighter this past week because I know I'm taking action um, and because my son has seemed to have turned a corner out of a very highly sensitive phase. And I know I will always be the first person to say I'm not okay and to make sure people know. And I know not everyone has access to that openness or that awareness, but it's taken me a while to get here. And it has always been my greatest coping mechanism to talk and share. And I hope you will do the same. You don't have to do it to millions of listeners like I'm doing, but you can do it with someone who you trust. So let me leave it here for whatever reason that you might find yourself getting to a dark place. Don't be so quick to panic for being there or to try and snap or rush yourself through it. You've wound up here probably over time for reasons that make sense. Have a look around, see what it looks like. What's the wallpaper like? Question the thoughts, see what's brought you here. Take a breath in here. And then with either help from friends or professional or digging deep for yourself with a pen and paper. Think about what you can do or what's the most logical next step for you. What bumper you can pull up or put in place. What reinforcement you can bring in. What break you can take. Anything that might help you take the next forward step. Thank you so much for listening. I will be going into a lot more detail about my son's um, assessment over on Substack, I'll be writing about it for my paid subscribers because it just obviously it's you know personal to him as he gets older. So I don't want to share too much about it. Um, as opposed, I will talk about my experience in relation to him, but I don't want to get too granular on the details for him. So if you're interested, you can come and join me on Substack where I'm writing about lots of different things, especially parenting and anxiety. Um, and I wrote a recent piece about the millennial anxiety around body image, which is just inherent in pretty much every millennial woman that I know. Um, so if you're interested, go to carolineforin.substack.com forward slash subscribe. Um, and I will actually go right now and set up a discount code for my podcast listeners. And I will put it in the show notes. And if you're interested, you can go and get a discount and sign up for a year. Thank you so much as always. I hope that this episode has been a bit bleak, but I hope that it's given you some um, reassurance and uh, comfort. And I'll be back next week with a very brilliant guest. Thank you so much. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before. <laughs> 